Psalm 143, please. The 143rd Psalm this morning. Twelve verses. We'll, we'll study them all, Lord willing, today. Psalm 143. You remain seated as I read the Scriptures to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do thy will. For thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. For thy righteousness' sake bring my soul out of trouble. And of thy mercy cut off mine enemies, and destroy all them that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant. One day a pastor in New York City was walking the streets. He was despondent. He was despairing of life. As David said here, he he was overwhelmed with life at that moment. And he came upon a construction crew that was putting up, I don't remember which cathedral it was, St. Patrick's, one of the big cathedrals. And a workman was carving a, a, a piece of granite in a triangle shape. It was probably about this big in a triangle shape. And he was just carving on that and just, just, just you know, working on it. And the pastor asked him, he said, what are, you, what are you making that for? And he said, well, I'm, I'm carving this. You look right up there near the steeple, which has already been attached to the cathedral. Right up there, you see that little hole? That's where this goes. He says, I'm, 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 I'm cutting on it here so that it'll fit in up there. And you know the thought he took away from that? Was that God is working on us here. God is cutting on us here so that we're going to fit in up there. And that was a good thought. That was a good thought. And there are people all around us, folks, that have seasons of their life where they're in despair. And they're overwhelmed by life. And uh, defeat is very real to them. And throughout history, a lot of people have studied. You read biographies. I love to read biographies. And great individuals, even George Washington, uh, John Adams, Winston Churchill, not to mention uh, great preachers like Spurgeon and Moody. Um, These people, uh, a number of our hymn writers... We'll talk about some this morning in the message if the Lord gives us uh, the time to do so. 
a number of our hymn writers dealt with this problem in their life. They, they, they succumbed to dis- defeatist ideas and despondency and despair and even depression. How did they get out of these things? David, who was called a, a, a man after God's own heart, wrote, wrote this psalm. And it's kind of a dark psalm. It's really kind of a dark psalm and has a lot of negative emotions. It was born out of a time of great defeat in David's life. And I'd like to spend a few moments in these verses this morning because we can find answers for the times when we, when you and I walk through valleys like this. And I know that many people don't want to believe it, but God is in charge of all of our life. Okay? He's in charge of the mountaintop experiences and He's in charge of the valleys. And the Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in His way. And just as surely as God controls the direction of our lives, He also controls the disruptions in our lives. And to just kind of solidify the the idea here, I'd like you to turn over for just a moment to Psalm 37 and, and verse 23, and I'd like us to sing those verses as a preliminary to getting this message started. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I think you know the tune. And we just simply at the end of it repeat, for the Lord, for the Lord, and then for the Lord upholdeth him with his way. Uh, You can remain seated, but let's sing together, please. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Psalm 37, beginning at verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. think that those verses would remind us very clearly that the Lord controls our valleys just the same as He controls our mountaintops. He determines their depth. He determines how long they are. He determines the duration. He sends the valley seasons into my life and He sends the valley seasons into your life to develop us and to make us more like Jesus Christ. And I'd like to look at some characteristics of the valley this morning in these times that we have together. Number one, the pain in the valley. The pain in the valley. David says here in verse 3, For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He has smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness. This is the pain of darkness, isn't it? The pain of darkness. David said, I have no help on this earth. There's nobody to help me right now. Okay. This is the the rebellion of Absalom. We heard preached during the opening week uh, of of, of Ahithophel. What a a tremendous message that was on Ahithophel and and how he turned against David. And, And this is all in this context of Psalm 143. There seems to be no end to the pain, no light at the end of the tunnel. I've known people in just this very condition. When I first began thinking about this psalm and this message, my daughter had had two miscarriages. Uh, she didn't see much light at the end of the tunnel at that moment. See, I've been in a state like this from time to time. Maybe you have too, 
where you just said, there's no help for me on earth. There's no human that can really help me in this situation. This is the pain of darkness. But notice what he says in verse 4. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. Okay? This is the pain of defeat. David's heart had left him. He didn't want to go on. Okay? You ever feel overwhelmed like that? You ever feel like, I don't know what step to take next? You know, this is uh, that word overwhelmed. Here's the idea of being encased in, 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 in darkness. Like, like uh, you know, and he, and, he says, and he says, my heart within me is desolate, is desolate. You study that word out, it, it, it's like you're, you're completely blown away. You're stupefied. You're stunned. It's like David can't believe what's happening to him right now. He doesn't have a heart to go on. And you may not even be aware of people around you in this condition. But they're there. They're there. And they're defeated in their Christian life right now. Right now. Well, then look at verse 7. Verse 7. Not only is there the pain of darkness in this valley and there's the pain of defeat, but in verse 7 there's the pain of despair. There's the pain of despair. He says, Hear me speedily, O Lord, my spirit faileth. My spirit faileth. He said, my spirit has come to an end. Uh, there's no more in me. There's no hope. He said, I have no help on this earth. My, my heart has failed me, uh, and I have no hope. And he feels like he's reached the end of his rope. And he says, if, if, if God doesn't help me now, I might as well just go down to the pit. Like the people who have no, no hope. These valleys of life, my friends, are a shared experience, okay? We all have them. Obviously, there's a lot of different types of valleys. We don't all pass through the same valley. Some of us have valleys of sickness, okay? Some of us have valleys of, of financial setbacks, okay? I get that. We don't all pass through the same, the same thing. Some of you have experienced the valley of losing a loved one recently, okay? Maybe someone very close to you. Emotional distress, spiritual upheaval. Most of you are not married here, but, but marital problems. That's a valley for many in our local churches. Marital discord. There are valleys that touch the body. There are valleys that touch your emotions very deeply. There are valleys that, that, that get to the very heart of your soul. And these are the valleys that we pass through and we share commonly uh, throughout the Scripture. Listen to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. and verse 2 it says, For all his days are sorrows, and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. John chapter 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Job chapter 14. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Yeah, that's right. These valleys of life are going to come your way, and they're going to come my way. That's a given. That's a given. And when they come... We have to remember that God is in the purpose of shaping us so that we fit in when we get there. We must be careful we don't waste our valleys. God wants to teach us in our valleys. Okay. Paul, Paul understood this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 down through 10. He said, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, 
lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. There was a prayer of Paul's that was not answered. Well, I should say it was answered with no. No. And he said unto me, this is God's response to Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so then Paul's answer to that was, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now, your personal valley that you may be going through or that you have recently come through or that's on the near horizon for you, I don't know what it is. But you may feel that life has become almost unbearable. And with all the despair that marks this psalm, and it's a dark psalm, like I said before, there is pain in the valley, but there's reason to rejoice because point two is there's a prize in the valley. There's a prize in the valley. Look at verse 2. David says, Enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. This is what I would call the prize of repentance and acknowledgement of our sin. Now, folks, our valleys are not always caused by sin. Don't misunderstand that. Sometimes it is. We live in a sinful world. Um, As a result of the fall, this world is cursed. Uh, We bear the brunt of that. But not always are our valleys caused by sin. And yet whenever we begin to seek God, first thing he deals with is what? Our sin. First thing he deals with. The first thing we have to deal with is our sin. Okay? And when we do that, our sin will always be an issue. Regardless of whether or not sin is responsible for our valley, we're all still sinners. And we have to repent. The valleys have a way of helping us do that, don't they? The valleys have a way of bringing us to our knees and causing us to look inward and causing us to check up on ourselves and causing us to see what our relationship is with our Lord Jesus. That's one of the, that's one of the prizes we find in the valley. Along with the pain, there's a prize. David, David understood that the valleys have a way of causing us to reflect on our relationship with the Lord. And I would say this, anything that brings me closer to God has to be a prize, don't you think? Even if it's pain, if it brings me closer to my God. But that's verse 2, but look what he said in verse 5. He says this, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the works of thy hand. This is the prize of remembrance. Oh, this is the prize of remembrance. Not only uh, does, does the valley bring our sin into closer focus, but it brings our sovereign into closer focus to us, does, he not, does it not? See? And David had so much to remember, the stories of what God had done for Israel. The great victories, the great things that God had done for him personally, the, the victory over the lion and the, and, and the bear and the, and the giant Goliath and victory you know, in keeping him safe when Saul was hunting him to kill him. All of these things David begins to remember. And I think when we are going through our valleys, do we not have to do the same thing? Do we not have to start remembering personally what God has done for us, our salvation, the blessings that He's given us? 
review our life, think about, uh, it'll, reflect, it'll refresh your heart. If you do that, it will encourage you to carry on through the valley. May I uh, direct your attention to your hymnal right now, uh, hymn number 577. Hymn number 577. This is a hymn by William Cooper. Um, It looks like Cowper. It's spelled Cowper, but it's pronounced Cooper. Englishman. Lived just outside of London. And he lived his life. He was a great friend of uh, John Newton's. John Newton was, uh, was a help to him in his life, but he spent a lot of his life in despair. And he spent a lot of his life in discouragement and uh, even depression to the point where uh, one evening he hired a carriage to take him to London Bridge and he was going to jump off the bridge and, and, and die. He was at such a low point in his life. Well, recently we've had some pretty thick fog around here. And that night, after Cooper had hailed the, cat, the carriage and, and the horse was pulling the carriage, the, the fog descended thick and deep and they could barely see a few feet in front of the carriage and they got lost. They got lost. And after just under an hour, Cooper was just as frustrated as anybody could be, and he told the driver, just stop, I'm going to get out and walk. Well, he was very surprised to find out that he stopped within just a few feet of his house. They'd gone in circles. Okay. And so Cooper went back in the house and said, well, obviously God's going to let me kill myself tonight. And he sat down and wrote this text. Now read it with me. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. There's one stanza that that he wrote that's not in most hymnals. It's not in that one, and listen to this stanza. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. I wish that were in the book. I wish that were in there. That's an encouraging stanza. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy. That's what Cooper found that night. The mercy of God that kept him from finding London Bridge in the fog. See? When we're in the valley, folks, we need a fresh encounter with the Lord like like Cooper had that night. All right, so there's pain in the valley, but there's prizes in the valley, and we've seen the prize of repentance, we've seen the prize of of remembrance, and now look at verse 6. Now look at verse 6, the prize of reliance. Verse 6, I stretch forth my hands unto thee, my soul thirsteth after thee, as a thirsty land. A thirsty land. That's a dry, cracked, parched land longing for the refreshing rains. David knew he couldn't produce what he needed at that time in his life. 
He couldn't bring the refreshing rains, but he knew who could. He knew who could. He was relying now on God. And God will design your valley and he'll design my valley specifically to cause us to rely on him in ways that we need to do so. When I come to the end of myself, I have no one to turn to but God. And when you come to the end of yourself, when you get there, you'll find that your valley has merely brought you to a place of utter dependence upon God. That's frankly not a bad place to be. (laughs) Not a bad place to be. And as terrible as the valleys of life can be to you and to me, they're also extremely valuable because it's in the valley that we learn eternal truths about God that we don't learn anywhere else. It was in this furnace of persecution, this valley experience, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found power in their God. Where Daniel learned about the God who overrules in the valleys. Where Elijah, where the disciples, where Mary and Martha and so many others learned that while the valley is a place of pain, and there's no question that it is, it's a place of pain and heartache, but more than that, they learned that the valley is where we find who? The lily of the valley. That's who we find in the valley. So there's pain in the valley. There's a prize in the, there are prizes in the valley. But last, let's consider this. What is the path out of the valley? What is the path out of the valley? Well, several times in this short psalm, beginning at verse 1, we say, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. Verse 6, he says, um, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. That's a, that's a position of prayer. Verse 8, he says, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. He was praying again. He says in the end part of verse 8, I lift up my soul unto thee. Verse 9, deliver me, O Lord. He's praying again. This is the path of prayer. This is the path of prayer. The path out of the valley includes prayer. And we heard a couple of very fine messages again during our revival week on prayer. I kind of felt like revival uh, week this, this semester was like the opening chapters of the book of Genesis. Every foundational doctrine that we're going to hear the rest of this semester was there. <laughs> kind of found that to be the case. You know. So prayer, the path of prayer. This is waiting on God. This is waiting on God. Several times in these verses. I know there were times David didn't want to pray. <laughs> I'm sure he wanted to stop praying, but he didn't. We're commanded to pray in the Scriptures. God has promised to hear our prayers. Our duty is to pray. That's our very duty. We pray when God says yes. We pray when God says no. I have a better way for you. We pray when God says wait. Prayer, my friends, is not a perfunctory religious activity. Prayer is a path out of the valley. It really is. There's a path of prayer, but look at verse 10. And this is so typical of David in his psalms. There's a path of praise. There's a path of praise. See, not only does he wait on the Lord, but he's worshiping the Lord. See, In the midst of this sad psalm, look at verse uh, 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 10. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. He, he said, put me on that path, that path of praise. David is sending up. He reminds us that God is good. And everybody who walks through a valley ought to be reminded of that fact. That God is good to us. And we adopt that attitude of praise. Luther Bridgers 
songwriter, we sing his, his gospel song often, there's within my heart a melody, Jesus whispers sweet and low. Uh, tremendous song of praise to God. Would never, would never, except for one stanza in that song, ever have the idea that that was written in a great time of, of, of turmoil in his life after his family had been killed in a house fire. And in the aftermath of that, he writes a song of praise that even turns our attention to soon he's coming back to welcome me far beyond the starry sky. There's only one stanza, the third stanza in that hymn, that even hints at what he was going through. He was on the path of praise. He was coming out of his valley, was he not? Horatio Spafford, you know that story very well. It is well with my soul. After four of his daughters died uh, when uh, their ship, they were traveling to Europe, on, uh, was struck by another ship and sunk. And he writes, when peace like a river attendeth my way. How do you do that? How do you do that? He was going through a valley, but he found the path out of the valley. Had to do with praise. Prayer. And praise so far. But then there's one other thing that we have to think about, and that is this, the, the path of practice. The path of practice. Look at verse 9, the second half of the verse. I flee unto thee to hide me. Look at verse 10. Teach me to do thy, way, thy will. Okay. This is walking with our God on a daily basis. You want to get out of the valley? Oh, there's prayer, yes. All right. There's praise, yes. But there's the practice of simply walking day by day and with each passing moment. Strength, I find, to meet my trials here. It's the practice of daily walking with God. When we fail in walking with the Lord, with following the revealed will of God in your life and in my life, when we fail to do that, we bring more discouragement to our hearts. We don't get out of our valley. The best advice that can be given to those who are in the valley is to continue to walk consistently with their God day in and day out. As we wrap this thing up, I am reminded of uh, a little booklet that I read uh, in 2011. Back in 2006, John Piper, longtime pastor, uh, many of you know that name, not in our circles, um, but I believe the man loves the Lord. And uh, he's pastored for a long time. He was diagnosed with prostate cancer. He came through the prostate cancer. God was pleased to spare his life. And in 2011, he wrote a little booklet. And he titled it, Don't Waste Your Cancer. Don't Waste Your Cancer. He had ten points in the book. And as I wrap up this morning, I'd like to adapt seven of those points very briefly because I think it sums up what David is teaching in this psalm about valleys and I would like to adapt those sayings to, to read, don't waste your valleys, because we can waste our valleys. We can come through a, a time of trials and a time of tribulation, a time of trouble in our life, and we can come out on the other side not having learned the lessons, not having been prepared to, 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 to not letting the Lord cut on us down here so that we can be fit up there. We can come through valleys, and, and it doesn't change us, it doesn't teach us anything. And I would hate for that to be the case with you. The first thing he said was this. Number one, you will waste your valley if you do not believe it was designed for you by God. You will waste your valley if you do not believe that it was designed for you by God. 
It's not enough to say God merely brings a valley into your life. It's not enough to say God brings a disruption into your normal schedule. We must also acknowledge that He designed it for us. And if He doesn't stop it from coming into our life, then that means one thing and one thing only, and that is He has a purpose in it. And we need to discern what that is. That's the first one. You will waste your valley if you do not believe it was designed for you by God. The second of my little adaptations here is, you will waste your valley if you think it is a curse and not a gift. If you look at the trouble that you're going in, and, and, and a lot of people are going to say, oh, you're just going through a lot of trouble here, this is a curse. No, you will experience the tender mercies of God if you look for them. Okay. You'll experience the gracious hand of the Lord in the valley if that's what you're looking for. Number three, you will waste your valley if you spend too much time reading about your valley and not enough time reading about Christ. I've spent a lot of time sometimes, you know, reading about, you know, what I'm going through and, 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 and studying books and, and so forth and not getting in the Scriptures. Not getting in the Scriptures. And friends, you will waste your valley if you spend a lot of time reading about your valley and not reading about Christ. Number four. You will waste your valley if you allow it to drive you into solitude instead of allowing it to deepen your relationship with others. Are you aware that many times God brings us through a valley for the purpose of ministering to other people? It may be that God sent your valley to you to help someone else. And when we cut off other people, when we retreat within ourselves, we kill any opportunity we have to minister to other people. Number five, you will waste your valley if you grieve as those who have no hope. All the valleys are hard. I mean, David is, is pouring out his soul here. David's at the end of his rope. David's overwhelmed with life. But just like Paul told the church at Thessalonica, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. We have hope. And when David realized that his hope was in God, when he came to the end of himself and he said, I, I, I have no friends here, I have no help on earth, but I have my God. There's the hope. There's the hope. The saint of God must walk with their hope anchored in Jesus Christ. Even during the painful valleys. Number six. Number six. You will waste your valley if you treat sin as casually as you did before. Again, I'm not saying that sin causes all valleys. I'm not saying that. But when we're in the valleys... Our hearts are very tender toward the things of God, and we deal with our sin. And if you come out on the other side of your valley and you haven't had an attitude adjustment regarding sin, you've missed a big lesson, and I've missed a big lesson. The valley should be a place of refinement for us. The valley should be a place of repentance for us. And number seven and last... You will waste your valley if you fail to use it as a means of witnessing. 
if you fail to use it as a means of witnessing. We are never anywhere by accident. Never anywhere by accident. God sent you to where you are right now. This is not an accident for you to be here in this school. God has sent me to this school, and it's not an accident. We're in the place where we are to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to use our time in the valley to bring attention to Him, to His love, to bring attention to His grace, to bring attention to His mercy, and bring Him glory. So the question is on the table, are you in a valley today? Are you making it count for the Lord Jesus? Or are you wasting your valley? How long will we just wander around in the valley before we come to the place where we acknowledge His hand in our life? If the Lord is speaking to you this morning, if uh, the Lord is meeting a need in your heart, no matter what the need is, do business with God today. Would you stand with me for prayer, please? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the truths of Your Word. We thank Thee for the power of Your Word. I ask, Lord Jesus, that in this time of invitation, that you would have your will and your way in these hearts and lives which you have assembled here today. Uh, We thank you for Ambassador, for its long ministry, and we pray for uh, the working of God to be here even at this time. We commit these minutes, these final minutes of chapel into your hand now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.